And we are live. I didn't think we were going to go live as it happens, but I think we may have solved the issue. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, the 27th of October, 2022. I am Brian, the UK Bitcoin master or the Bitcoin boomer. And this is your alternative BBC, i.e. the bullish Bitcoin channel. It is great to have you all in the house. Don't forget to tweet this out. Don't forget to like it, subscribe if you're new to all of it. In fact, if you are new, really important that you check out this disclaimer here. You're not going to get any type of financial advice here. You're not going to get any charts here. You're not going to get any technical analysis here. You're just going to get this British boomer who discovered Bitcoin five and a half years ago and just chooses to go live twice a week and rant about Bitcoin, hoping that some of you may take uh, me up and do the research and then get down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. That's all I want uh, from this show. If you are new, I would encourage you all to go to ukbitcoinmaster.com. That is where you'll find all the videos that I've done today. I think it's heading for 500 over there now, all about Bitcoin and bitcoininterviews.com. If you want to see some of the interviews that I've done with some of the greatest thought leaders in the Bitcoin space today, then go to Bitcoin interviews. They're all over there. Beyond that, let me get that out of the way. And before we get into chatting with my live guest, as always, we'll pop over to the desktop. Uh, you can see that we're on a little bit of a pump at the moment, 20,567 a coin. Shouldn't be focusing on price, fo focus on fundamentals and what's going on behind the scenes. But the reason for showing this slide, simple. If you've got a spare dollar kicking around, you can get 4,866 Satoshis for that dollar. If you've got $10, you can get 48,000 Satoshis. So don't let anybody tell you you can't buy and own some Bitcoin because you can buy minute fractions of a Bitcoin, i.e. Satoshis. I guess a little bit like a, a dollar and cents or a pound and pennies. Same principle, but there's 100 million tiny fractions or sats in every one full Bitcoin. So you can literally build your Bitcoin pot over time by DCAing or dollar cost averaging and even one dollar will get you nearly 5,000 uh, Satoshis. Hold on, let me flick my screen quickly, if I may. I just want to shill this book. Now, I don't get any royalties on this book. I've just read it. And if you are a noob or you want a gift to send to a noob so they can get their head around Bitcoin, I would say check it out on Amazon. It's a great book for somebody that's thinking of Bitcoin or you want to get somebody to understand Bitcoin. So do check that out um, on Amazon. Also, my good friend down in Australia, Bitcoin to the Moon, is selling his asset portfolio that contains Bitcoin to the Moon.com, BTC to the Moon.com, and more beside it. So, if you know a whale that would love to get hold of Bitcoin to the Moon.com, then do make them aware of this particular website because he's getting rid of the lot. Many of you have seen me wearing the Bitcoin to the Moon t-shirt on my shows that he kindly sent me. All of that is part of that uh, digital asset portfolio. Um, lastly here, if you want to drop me a tip and you don't have to, I want to emphasize this. Nobody does. I don't run the show for any type of financial gain. I run it because it's a passion. But many people have reached out to me and said, look, 
you haven't got super chat switched on because you know you haven't got your subscribers over a thousand yet let's make that happen people 944 i think at the moment um so how can we drop you a tip well if you want to drop a few satoshis well there's three lightning addresses right away and if you don't want to and you want to hang on to those precious sats then you can literally support me at buymeacupofcoffee.com slash UKBM or scan that QR code. And if you want, you can buy me a cup of coffee. And I want to shout out to Joseph Rotniak, who keeps donating three cups of coffee. Joseph, can't thank you enough for that. You don't have to. But listen, everything is always appreciated. Okay, so as always, let's have a quick look and see who we've got in the house to give a shout out to. Joseph Rotniak was up there. I can see John Gravit in from the UK. Dave Shackelford coming in from Phoenix in Arizona. Jody, uh, good questions there. But hey, phew, way over a boomer's head when you start talking to phone calls in, Jody. But hey, listen, it is what it is. Thanks for asking the question. UK Bitcoin farmer, my nephew back from his holiday and on all his drinking sprees. What do you like? Proud Zionist Jew, aka Bitcoin Meister, is with us. My lovely wife, Elaine, misses you. UK is in the house. Lance Hoddle, good to see you. Chaz Old, Dodgy Bob, Yorkie Bitcoin is in the house. Daniel Frank, good to see you. I'm guessing you're one of Tom's followers. Either way, it's great to have you uh, in the house. Stacking Richie is with us. Okay, if you're joining and you want to shout out, type in UK Bitcoin Master. It will light up in orange and I'll gladly give you a shout out or read what you are um, DMing me, for want of a better word, uh, in the chat. Beyond that, what I want to do is get over and bring my guest into the house. Now, um, you always see me, Vinnie Rondo's just joined us. Welcome, Vinnie. You always see me interviewing some of the big guns um, in the Bitcoin space. But sometimes I think it's nice to blend that with people that are, you know, in motion, getting out there, making things happen. And particularly somebody who maybe initially went down the crap coin route and then learned by those mistakes. Now, you know, if you're a follower of my channel, that we've recently been to the Bitcoin conference in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, and we had the likes of Greg Foss, uh, Jeff Booth, Natalie Brunel, um, Larry Lepard and others. Samson Mal was there uh, at that conference. Um, but, you know, sometimes it is really great that, you know, to listen to people that have maybe gone down that dodgy path and then found Bitcoin. And it was really interesting because the organizers of the Bitcoin conference openly admit that up until seven months ago, they were crap coiners and they took a lot of flack for it. But you know what? Here's my take on all of this. Every one of us, as we find this space, is maybe entitled to learn by those mistakes. And then ultimately, if we find Bitcoin and we become a hardened Bitcoiner, we shouldn't chastise those people. I guess I'm very fortunate I found Bitcoin right off the bat, never went down the crap coin route at all. But many people do, including my live guests, and I'm sure we will talk about that. So I'm going to go over to my split screen and I'm going to welcome Tom to the show. Now, Tom, I hope I haven't butchered this, but I looked in your Twitter bio and it says at Tom Merkel. So is that who you are or should I have taken it out? No, that's that's perfect. I'm 
Tom Merkel um, on Twitter, all one all one word. And um, yeah, great to be here, Brian. Well, fantastic to have you. Now, all you and I can do is hope that we don't have the issues that we had five yeah, minutes exactly. to go in live because it's a bit of a train wreck. But we've got it going and let's keep our fingers crossed. So, Tom, firstly, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, you've heard what I've just said to the audience about looking Absolutely. for, you know, some of you know, the other end of the spectrum and bringing some people uh, into the show that are maybe are in motion, have got great ideas. I know that you you came highly recommended from Nico from Simply Bitcoin. And to me personally, if some, if Nico recommends somebody, uh, this guy is a hardened maxi. I'm very happy to have <laughs> them on my show. So it is great to have you on the show. Let me start off, if, I, if, if you don't mind, Tom, by asking you this. And I'll put you on full screen when you're talking because the audience, they probably get sick and tired of hearing uh, from me for the last four years. They want to hear from my guest. But I would love to know your journey from... Before you discovered crypto, what were you doing? What were you up to? Then obviously you got into crypto and then that turned into Bitcoin. So maybe tell the audience that side of your story, Tom. Yeah, no, I, uh, I appreciate it and appreciate the opportunity. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I grew up and really kind of, I would say, came of age in the midst of the financial crisis, really had a front row seat. You know, my family was really affected by a lot of a lot of the the issues that kind of came out of that on the real estate side, you know, I have family in the kind of land development space and just really, like I said, got a front row seat um, to how all of these things rippled through, you know, not just the economy and the, and the world, but, you know, my life. Right. So yep. really yep. left an impact on me kind of just looking at things with a skeptical eye and just trying to understand more about the, you know, existing financial system, the way the way things are laid out. Um, I went to school and studied uh, mathematics and a little bit of computer science and you know, throughout that, I took, you know, a lot of economics classes and I even, you know, had an internship doing kind of real estate, private equity and, and things like that. And, and what I learned was, well, not everybody got um, got got screwed over in the financial crisis. Right. A lot of people actually made out like bandits and, you know, say what you want, whether that's you know good, bad or just kind of intelligent. Like for me, it was it was really eye opening to understand that a lot of people who are closest to, you know, you could say the money printer or the you know financial machine actually benefited from from a lot of the things that you know almost tore tore my family and a lot of my friends apart um so you know after after kind of leaving school i remember in um in college i uh i actually knew that i had i had knew that i had missed the bitcoin boat when i when i saw it um i think bowl up to about eight hundred dollars uh, i remember sitting with a with a roommate of mine and looking at each other like man we, sh we should have bought that you know we were talking <laughs> about it and we, yeah. we missed it so you know, let's let's just go buy beer instead, right? Kind of the the day old thing. Um, and so uh, after college, you know, got got a got a job doing uh, supply chain consulting and really kind of um, on the analytical side, really starting to you know understand different things about how how the the supply chain and the world markets are connected. Um, yeah. And this was kind of on the on the peak of 2016, and I knew, um, you know, I had missed Bitcoin again. Clearly, I had missed Bitcoin. Um, so I needed to, to, I wanted exposure to this new type of asset class that I'd started to learn about. Um, and so I needed to, I needed to get the next big thing, right? So that was the, you know, the Ethereum, the Ethereum kind of a um, bull run or um, marketing, marketing uh, play that was, you know, Bitcoin is, is old boomer coin outdated technology and Ethereum is the next, the next big thing. That was, that was what was told, you know, to me and I bought that hook, line and sinker. Yep. I did buy some Bitcoin as well in that mar in that kind of market cycle, but kind of um, really rode the Ethereum kind of wave and, and started to, you know, dabble on the, uh, you, you know, you called it the, the crap coins. And, you know, it's funny, 
in the bull market, at least that first one, um, you know, I threw most of my fundamentals out of the window in terms of kind of my math and economics background. And it was really, um, it was really, you know, I was a genius in this bull market, right? Everyone's a genius <laughs> in the bull market. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I held, I held onto my, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin. Um, and then after the bear market, I, I really started to dive into more of the fundamentals behind, um, you know, these protocols and altcoins or crap coins that were coming out, you know, you can hear words like, tokenomics and different different kind of hand wavy things that were pushed around the market at this time and and honestly i i, I dove in and I, I went back to you know what i did in school and i really started reading through white papers and understanding these protocols and actually a lot of these different altcoins and things kind of thinking um you know i, I need to be you know aware i need to understand this i need to learn this and and my main takeaway is is you know, all of these things felt felt very hand wavy and very, um, you know, a lot of fluff and, and marketing. But I, I couldn't find the the truth or the signal um, that that I originally was attracted to. You know, when when discovering you know Bitcoin and then you know the the Bitcoin killer, so to speak. Um, yeah. And, and so yeah. I kind of just got got a little uh, dis, disillusioned with with the whole enterprise, and it felt a little scammy. I still held on to my bags, you know, but I just was kind of um, not not very fascinated. And then. Um, kind of late 2019, um, 2020, obviously we went through a you know global kind of uh, glo global changes in, in a lot of different factors. I, I really started to go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole in terms of actually you know taking a good hard look at this thing that I maybe um, I wouldn't say ignored, but I kind of passed off as this like you know old old tech kind of outdated. Um, and that's when my mind was really blown because so was, the more, John, the more Tom, layers there, and the more. Was yeah. there a catalyst? Was there a catalyst? Was there something that made you start delving into Bitcoin? Was it the, the, the yeah. C19? Yeah, well, so so that was that was one of many, right? So in the in the history of kind of the altcoin altcoin, you know, market, specifically Ethereum, you have a handful of big events that occurred, right? There's one called the the Dow, the Dow hack, where um, a lot of uh, Ethereum was essentially locked up in a smart contract that was only accessible to um, the hacker of this protocol, uh, or not the protocol, the smart contract. And yep. what the decisions made by the team, and I won't go into the into the um, into the details, but the decisions made by the the core developers of Ethereum basically proved that they could change the rules and the monetary system at will. Um, you know, say what you want, whether it was a good or bad decision. The fact that they could do it really opened my eyes, and I didn't even. Obviously, that had happened prior to me getting in, but I didn't really understand or learn about it until later on. And so I started to dive into that. And then you kind of have the transition of Ethereum from, you know, proof of work based, um, you know, a proof of work based consensus system to what's you know known as proof of stake. And and the more you dive into that, you, you realize, you know, this is just central banking with extra steps. It's, yep. it's, it's it's that's all it is. And And for me. The fundamental breakthrough, you know, with with Bitcoin and as I was studying this whole market was was the proof of work. It was the difficulty adjusted proof of work, um, you know, that that drives the entire you know consensus and rules based system of Bitcoin. And you know, the longest the longest chain wins, you know, as as you might kind of know in terms of um. So to me, it was like Ethereum at least was proof of work for a while, and then it you know basically the rules kept getting changed, and that just was progressing progressing and accelerating. Um, you know, and then the transition from me realizing that getting frustrated with that, the transition to proof of stake, and then immediately, you know, COVID-19, 2020 global lockdown, you kind of see all these macro factors that really like 
you know, for sake of a better term, slap you in the face in terms yep. of like, okay, yep. obviously there's something that we need to, we need to explore deeper here. And I, I just was hooked ever since. Wow. So are you, are you saying that, I mean, when I came into like, I'm 63. Okay. So I'm definitely an old boomer. Okay. But what the, the thing that grabbed me was 21 million and scarce and seven and a half yeah. billion people on the planet. And it was literally, I got to get as much as I can because it's all going to be bought next yeah. week. I mean, I had no clue whatsoever, you know, yeah. it literally was, I, I said to my, my wife at the time, five and a half years ago, I think it's May, 2017. I said, I've got to get as much as I can fast because it's all going to be gone in a week. Not literally, but I, I thought it's all going to be eaten up. So for me, it was scarcity for you. And, and now I understand more about the fundamentals of, you know, proof of work and the importance of it. And, you know, the mining FUD that's been going on out there. So isn't it interesting how some of us come in and we get one aspect of Bitcoin and then like yourself, you came in and it was the proof of work aspect that did it for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, Bitcoin is for everybody. And, and what that means to me is like you can there's so many different things and different um, factors that are attractive to people. And it, it, you know, brings you in at different levels. But then the further you go down, the more you realize that, you know, it, it's it's all, um, you know, part of this kind of emergent system. Right. So even the scarcity aspect, I would I would agree that was important to me. But the thing that under underlied the scarcity, the thing that you know made it so that there was scarcity is the proof of work. The fact that, you know, nobody can come out and decide, ah, we know it was scarce, but we're going to do 42 million now. Like yep. that just can't occur yep. because of the work required to actually, you know, um, hash, you know, hash, hash the blocks and actually, you know, uh, d distribute the ledger and things like that. So like it, yeah, I mean, I agree hundred percent. So it's like, we're talking about the same thing, maybe different sides of the same coin, which is really interesting. Well, no, it is interesting because I think what we've got to understand is there aren't two people the same. And different people come at this from different perspectives. And look, when I got into this, I'm telling you, it was number go up. It was nothing yeah. more than pure number go up. My friend called me. He told me about it. He said, there's, there's a chance that you can make some serious money. You're, you're in pretty well at the, you know, the, the early adopter stage. Uh, I did my own research and I literally bought as much as I could number go up. But it's really interesting because when you follow people like Bitcoin Meister, and if you're not, you should. I mean, he's not live streaming mm -hmm. much anymore, but he went live every single day, seven days a week. And I came across him and Andreas Antonopoulos. And like Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, was just ranting about Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. You know, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Personal responsibility is the new counterculture. And all these throwaway phrases that are actually not throwaway. They are very impactful. And for me, it was that gradual transition where, yes, everyone, every human wants a bit more money. We all want maybe a yeah. bit better lifestyle. But now... It is 80-20 for me and 80% is I want to leave this world a better place for my kids, grandkids and great grandkids. So now the fundamentals are so important for me and there's far more work I'm now doing. I won't say work, learning, you know, about you know, the mining aspect and, you know, like you say, proof of work against proof of stake. And, you know, whilst I'm a boomer and just a regular guy, I understand that if you got one chain that somebody can't tamper with and manipulate and you got one that they can or it's the people at the top, the people with the most dosh 
can have the influence over the chain. If my hard earned money going money is going into one, it ain't going to be the one that can be manipulated because like you just said, that is more of the crap we've been going through for decades, centuries. Exactly. And I think you, you hit on something really interesting that I want to point out. And you said, you know, everybody wants, wants some more money and you want to be able to say, but I think really people do want more money. What they want is they want, you know, more freedom and they want to be able to want to be able to save for the future of themselves, their family, yep. their, you know, their civilization. Right. And I just think it, it hasn't occurred to most people and it didn't occur to me that this was even possible. Right. Because, you know, we, we live in a society that, you know, prioritizes maybe consumption in the here and now, yep. but then you, you drop this, you know, this technology, Bitcoin and, and all the things that, you know, around it. And all of a sudden now there's, there's, there's an option, right? I can save, I can, I can stack sats, I can mine Bitcoin. And, and for me, I know that that will be around that, that is one out of 21 million. That's not going anywhere. It's going to be around for myself, my, you know, my, my wife, my, you know, my future children, my grandchildren, and you know, however, however long that goes. Um, and I can like, not, you know, in a, uh, in a superficial way, but I can save for the future in a way that is mathematically verifiable and provable. And for me, from, you know, coming from a math, math background, like you, you, it's, it's just math, man. Like you can't, you can't, you know, you can't argue with math, I guess. Right. And so to me, it's, it's, it's just fascinating. And it, it gives us a, um, it gives us hope and, and, you know, excitement for the future as opposed to you know maybe nihilism or or fatalism in the present no listen i couldn't agree more and again if i sort of come back to the conference that we recently had in scotland i mean you know you guys out in the us if you're lucky enough you can get along to miami and you can meet like the greg fosses and the lawrence lepards uh, yeah. you know of the world but you know for us over here it was just an absolute pleasure to have them but it was really interesting because on one of the panels um, I think Greg Greg Foss was on there, Larry Lepard. I think Natalie um, Brunel was um, uh, moderating it. Larry Lepard got pretty damned upset, you know, emotional. And he was saying, this world is effed up. He said, and, you know, we've got one chance here to make a better world for our kids. And he said, we owe it to them to go all out in this fight. And he said, it gets me really, really emotional. And, you know, when you hear, you know, the crap coiners all saying, oh, you Bitcoiners, you're just in it because you want to get rich. And there was a lady we had on the, on on a, a, a conference in Amsterdam. I don't know whether you saw the, the, the Bitcoin magazine Amsterdam conference. There was a lady on there, a I journalist did. was, she was really bashing. Um, I can't think who was, who was the, um, the compare or the, you know, the, the moderator at the time, but she was bashing. Uh, it was Daniel Prince. And she was saying, you guys just literally are, are spinning your narrative so that the number goes up and then you dump the bags on those poor innocents. And there was this battle going on on the stage. And of course, Daniel Prince was the absolute gentleman at all times. But you can see what he wanted to do was shake her by the scruff of the neck and say, flipping well, wake up. You know, these people aren't here just to go and wreck other people and get rich. They're here because they've got a deep down burning desire to make the world a better, fairer place for generations to come. And that is what that's the message that I'm really trying to get out there now to people finding the channel. You will go through number go up. It's just human nature. But then if you dig in and look at the fundamentals, I don't know how you feel, um, uh, Tom, but I, I, I find I, I find something beautiful. I don't know how else to explain it, but beautiful. Yeah, no, I, I agree 
completely. And I think, you know, the, the argument that, you know, Bitcoiners are just trying to pump and then, and then, um, you know, dump their bags, right. is just, is just factually incorrect, right? Like if you look at the, the percentage of Bitcoin that's, you know, being held by long-term holders, you know, versus the ones that are, you know, the Bitcoin that are, that are liquid and traded, you know, the, the percentage of people just buying and holding goes up over time, right? Like that mm-hmm. doesn't happen in a market where you're just trying to, you know, pump your own bags and then, and then, you know, sell to everybody. Um, but I think like, you know, you mentioned kind of, you know, beauty and, and you, the more you dig into it. And I, I, I would agree with that hundred percent, you know, the mm-hmm. thing that attracted me, you know, in university to study mathematics was that it was just something that was like, um, really beautiful and like a fundamental truth that you could explore and, you know, engage with. And I, I see that in Bitcoin, right? Because yep. you have this, you know, on all, on all metrics, like it's a very simple protocol. The network is very simple in terms of the rules. Like there's really not that many rules, you know, you can read the white paper. It's about nine pages long. Obviously, you know, you, you, you can read it maybe a little more detailed if you have a background in it, but for the layman, like you can grok about 80% of it. Yep. So it's a very simple rule set. And, and yet, out of it is this like emergent behavior that you know doesn't exist anywhere else and that to me is is beautiful and i um it's it's uh it's it's hard to wrap your head around it doesn't feel um yeah it's 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 bizarre but beautiful and it's really um i think we as humanity you know we we call bitcoin a currency right we we relate it to money and we think about it in these terms but i think that's because we don't necessarily have the word yet because on one on one end it's uh you know, it's it's a it's a new type of monetary system. It's a transaction layer, right? It's a currency, but it also, you know, is is uh, is information. It's also truth, right? Like if you look at the uh, the original white paper, you know, Satoshi calls it a a time chain, a time stamp server, right? So it's 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 not just a uh, you know a monetary system. It's a you know permissionless kind of uncensorable calendar almost or record of history, right? So it's 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 also you know, when, when you get into the mining side, it's a, um, it's an energy network. It's an incentive layer to find the cheapest, most reliable energy across the entire world. So it's, it's all of these things. And as simple as, you know, a, uh, a, a chain of UTXOs that, you know, I can sign and send to Brian. Right. So it's, it's, it's something else all entirely. Well, you know, it is. And, you know, I was having a conversation with an old business colleague of mine this afternoon, uh, doing my, when I say doing my best to orange pill him, you know, just literally giving him the information. And I said, you know, this is right up there with the, you know, electricity, the motor car, you know, the printing press. I mean, this is, this is, for me, you know, I mean, we, we've got the internet now, but never before have we ever been able to move monetary value across time and space. And I said, this is just like an innovation of a species, in my opinion. I think I don't think we can underestimate that, if that makes some kind of sense. Um, so just something I want to mention. I forgot to mention it. Hold on. Guys, look, I won that at the conference. I just wanted to show you. I meant to show you all Monday and I completely forgot. That's from Cointelegraph. So that's got my juice in it. Dead chuffed about that. Sorry about that, um, Tom. I just wanted to put that one out there. I see well, Glenn McCann. I'll do, I'll do you one better. I've got, a, I've got a mouse pad here. Hey, oh, I can't show you. Mine's over there. My <laughs> wife got me a beautiful Bitcoin yeah. mouse pad as well. We are yeah, so yeah. down the rabbit hole. People think we're barking mad, but you know what? <laughs> It only takes a few of us to get this thing and create this movement. So I absolutely love it. Look, let's switch tack, Tom, because we're now going to talk about your business. But I've got to say, before we start talking about it, 
this mining stuff straight over my head. So, you know, what you're going to talk about is probably going to lose me. I am just a typical old boy that stacks Bitcoin, stacked hard, and I'm holding it for the future. And I'm trying to learn where I can. Now, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm going to go over to the... Um, this one here, but you, you may not come into it. Just bear with me, Tom. Oh, you are there. Oh, fantastic. So you can see that. Hopefully I can hear you. So this is a website. This is the the um, the Hash Branch website, correct? Yeah, I'm on there. Yep. So tell yep, me. You're on, the, you're on the landing page there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the landing page. Yeah. Just I just wanted to bring it up for the viewers. Tell me a little bit about what all this is, Tom, would you? Yeah, yeah, of course. So Hashbranch, you know, simply put, is a is a is really a marketplace to find and review quality Bitcoin miner hosting companies. Um, you know, in in your area, right? We're focused in North America right now, but we have yep. you know a handful of people in other countries that we're we're looking to onboard onto the site. So the basic idea is that hosting businesses, um, for for those who don't know what they are, they're basically Bitcoin mining companies who have you know figured out a way to find power and deploy a bunch of um, basically rack space for Bitcoin, mi Bitcoin miners. And right. then other, you know, Bitcoiners or other people can can send them equipment and they'll mine for it on their behalf and pay, you know, a, a fee to do so. Right. So um, that's what hosting is. That's the hosting market. Yeah. Um, and so what it does is it allows, you know, the people who are really good at finding power and bringing this online you know, provide that service to someone who, you know, maybe in the UK, your your electricity rate is too high to mine at home profitably. Well, you can work with a hosting company in, you know, Texas or in Washington state in the US and they'll mine, you know, on your behalf for a fee. So this market has existed um, for, for quite a while in the Bitcoin mining space. Um, but, you yeah, know, it's, isn't, it's isn't been it, quite- Aren't there mining pools? Yeah. Isn't it mining pools and you can- Pay to be part so of a mining, a mining pool. pool. Yeah. So a mining pool isn't necessarily the same thing. So a okay. mining, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So in yep. order to to mine a Bitcoin, right? What does that mean? Well, um, basically, you have a very high performance kind of single purpose uh, computer that is doing um, one thing a trillion times a second. And yep. you know, for for simplicity's sake, we'll just say it's it's calculating uh, you know a number. It's solving a Sudoku puzzle. It's solving a very simple puzzle. But it's something that you can't, you know, game your way through. The only way to do it is by basically guessing as many times as possible. Yeah. Right. So you have this computer. And if you're guessing as many times as possible, assuming you find the correct answer, you then let the rest of the world know. Well, the, the yep. interesting part is, you know, your your machines doing this, you know, hundreds of trillions of times a second. Well, there's millions of machines around the world. So that that number of guesses gets, you know, crazy large very quickly. So what a lot of um, miners do is they join what's called a mining pool yep. where they, they pool all of their guesses together with miners across the world. And then if any one of them get the right answer, they basically split the reward. So right. that, that's what a mining pool is. Yep. So Hashbranch is a different service that allows these mining companies to basically go out onto the market and say, hey, I've got capacity, meaning if you have mining equipment, I'll host it for you. Here, here's the rate that I'll do it at. Here's my location. Here's the type of energy that we're using. You know, here's a little bit about me as a business. You know, um, here are the terms I can offer. And they open it up. And then on the other side of that is people, Bitcoiners, like, you know, myself, yourself, who are saying, hey, you know, I'd love to get into the mining game so I can go to Hashbranch. I can search by, you know, 
I can search, sort, and gotcha. filter by things that matter to me, gotcha. price, all sorts of things. I find someone that I want to work with, and I connect with them directly, and then pretty soon I'm hashing away. I've got you. So it's getting the equipment instead of me trying to mine it at my home where the the energy is really expensive. It is finding one of these companies that will host it for you at a better electricity rate and mine on your behalf. Exactly. They'll mine on your behalf. And basically, you know, then you as the Bitcoiner, depending on how they set it up, you hold the um, the private key of the wallet that is being mined to at the pool level, right? So wow. basically, the Bitcoin is mined directly to your wallet, um, and you know, and there's and, and that's that, right? But you're with with mining, you know, you, you mentioned kind of DCA or dollar cost averaging earlier. The way I like to think about mining and describe it to people is, it's basically a 24/7, 365 DCA because you are effectively you know, mining Bitcoin at production cost 24-7, 365 days a year. What that, when I say production cost, that means if I, you know, I buy my machine and then I pay, let's say seven, six to seven cents per kilowatt hour. Well, yeah. what that allows me to do is effectively pay with, you know, energy and I get back Bitcoin and I get more Bitcoin than I paid for in energy, right? So you can look at things like the um, average production cost of a Bitcoin and all that is, is how much does it cost in electricity to mine a Bitcoin? Um, and, and, you know, over time, you'll see that's actually lower than the spot price for the most part in a lot of areas, depending on your rate of electricity. So um, for me, I don't just mine Bitcoin. I don't just purchase it. I have a, I have a strategy of doing both, right? I, I dollar cost average. I try to buy the dip, but I also mine so that I'm constantly getting exposure to, to, this, to this asset and, and, you know, also supporting and helping to centralize the network. So um, looking at this page, then list your facility, define your terms, increase your lead flow. So you're you're looking to attract. Go on. I was just going to say, if you go to the top and you click on um, see our listings, you'll actually see the the core of the the product up at the top in yellow there on the left. Ah, yes, see our listings. Let's see what it does. See our listings. Yeah, let's click on that. And what you'll see is we have very simply a, a list of about 40 different you know hosting businesses in north america um you can they're sorted by the most reviewed so we have a review system that allows customers to come and say hey you know i worked with this company and you know this is what this is what happened um you also have a handful of other things like you know their rate their location their logo um things like you're that established you click on yeah, one of these listings, mm. yeah you're established if you click on one of these listings it'll take you through to um the actual you know, page of that listing itself, and you'll get even more detail, right? So you'll have, you know, here's a little bit about the company, here's the actual details of their hosting operation. Um, and then at the very bottom, you'll see kind of the actual reviews for the service, you can then contact them directly. Um, if you've had service with them, you can leave a review so that the rest of the community can know, you know, the quality of their of their offerings. And then if you connect with them, um, you know, they they get your information, and then you guys are off to the races and trying to make it, you know, get get hashing and get quick uh, quickly up and running that is fantastic so how long how long have you been up and running and how's it all going then yeah so you know it's it's funny i uh my 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 story for kind of getting into the mining specific space from a you know professional standpoint is i uh, i left my you know fiat quote unquote fiat job at the beginning of this year um yep. just you know hell, hell bent on on building a business in the bitcoin space specifically in the mining industry um so i did a handful of 
you know, consulting things. My background's in software. So I wrote a few, you know, bits of software and was just kind of helping and figuring out where I can provide the most value, right? Proof of work, trying to, trying to do that. Um, I had the idea of wanting to actually start my own hosting facility. You know, I, I'd, got, I'd gone through the ringer and I almost pulled the trigger on doing it. But as I was going about, you know, procuring power, figuring out how to do all this stuff, um, I came across the, the problem that, you know, this market is, is very fragmented and there's not a lot of visibility and transparency as to like what's out there, right? There's yeah. a lot of scams. There's yeah. a lot of sketchiness. Um, in order to find a company that you want to work with, you need to either know someone through word of mouth. You need to be on the correct forums at the right time. Yep. You need to be in, you know, different chat rooms. And half of the people are are fake. You know, they're, they're scammers, right? And that's just the nature of a new industry. So I took a step back and I thought, all right, well, if I was going to try to make this market, you know, more efficient or do something in it, maybe just a simple service that allows all these great, you know, mining companies to list their stuff. Let's just put it out there and see what happens. So I, I built it, you know, relatively quickly and, and deployed it. Um, kind of just as a project just for the community, right? And then very quickly, you know, it started to see a lot of demand, a lot of comments on things that, you know, sucked that I should fix, a lot of requests for features, a lot of interesting things. So it very quickly, you know, we launched um, almost exactly two months ago, just as a project. That and new. it's very, okay. it very quick. Yeah, very quickly became, um, you know, a full time, you know, this is where, you know, devo devoting all my attention. And, and this is actually the, the business now that we're that we're focusing on. So um, yeah, and there's a lot of really cool things that we have kind of in the pipeline and a lot of things that we're trying to build. But um, yeah, that's that's the story. You know, as far as how's it going, you know, we on average, each listing gets viewed around three to four times a day. So as a as a hosting company, we're we're really giving you some visibility and helping you get your um, your customer acquisition figured out. And then for hosting or for for customers looking for hosting, you know, it's it's the biggest single place that you can come and look at all the different options right you you can compare and contrast you can you know you have the most selection um and, and what we're doing is really trying to add a more of a verification level right so where we're going to actually start reaching out to these hosting companies more than we've already done and getting some more you know some more info and saying like hey okay you know prove to us that what you're saying is true and we'll put that on the listing so that so that customers coming know that you're legitimate know that you're not going to you know run away with 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 their um with their miners or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, we're, we're in about, um, I'd say 25 of the 50 U S states. And we have, you know, a, a couple countries, a couple other countries that we're going to bring on here pretty soon. Um, Sweet. I'm th trying to think of in Europe, uh, Sweden, interestingly enough. And then um, there's, there's some mining facilities in Paraguay where we're talking to you to get them listed as well. Well, I've got to tell you something. Um, Nico definitely said you were in motion. So, you know, hats off way to go, mate. I mean, listen to me, you know, I'm just this regular guy from the UK that's stacking sats. And that just blows my mind. I don't even understand half of it. All I know, it is fantastic to hear of stuff like this going on and people like you innovating. And for me, it is that excitement that we've got the base layer of money for the future. Now, right. I've, I've planted a tree that I'm probably not going to see grow, but younger people like you and my kids and grandkids will. But the excitement is the innovation that's being built on top of Bitcoin right now is the bit that people are missing that they should be focusing on that is so exciting. It's going at breakneck speed behind the scenes. You know, for me, and maybe you can give us, a, a, a you know, your your slant on this. For me, how do I how do I sum it up? For me, Bitcoin's a done deal. 
in my opinion, it's a mm-hmm. done deal. It is what's mm-hmm. being built now, layer two, layer three, etc., that is going to drive the future forward. And I'm just, I am massively off the Richter scale in terms of excitement that I was open-minded enough five years ago to go down the rabbit hole because most people my age go, ah, I can't be doing with all of that stuff. So I'm really excited uh, that I did do that. And I'm even more excited for what's coming down the pipe in maybe the next one, two, three, four, and five years, which will go go by in a flipping heartbeat. So how do you see the innovation that's taking place on top of Bitcoin? You know, we can mention lightning, but there's so much more, isn't there? Yeah, I, you know, I think you, you hit it right on the head in terms of, you know, Bitcoin is, is pretty much a done deal. And I, I would add to that, like, the, the rules of Bitcoin are a done deal, right? The yep. rules are set. Yep. You know, we've we've set the rules of the game. Now let's just play the game. Right. And I think what, what's being built on top of that, whether it's scaling solutions, you know, lightning, you know, different mining businesses, different businesses on top of Bitcoin. We, we may not agree on everything and we may want to compete with each other. Right. It's it's a you know, it's a it's a free market. But the, what we can agree on are the rules and the consensus, you know, the consensus rules of Bitcoin. Like you can't nobody can change that. We can agree on that. Um, and so for me, what's really exciting is to your point. Um, those rules are a done deal, but it's really what comes out of that. What are the implications of those rules and how does it allow people like, you know, we're, we're all the way across the world from each other and we're able to have a conversation because we have a, um, you know, not only, you know, I, I don't know you, Brian, I've heard great things, but we both understand Bitcoin, right? Yep. So yep. We, we've already, we're already operating on a shared set of at least tr- fundamental truths in, when, with respect to Bitcoin. And now we can engage in, you know, productive dialogue. We can have business together. We can do different things. Um, and I've seen that. And it's really fascinating because starting a business in the Bitcoin industry is like nothing that I've ever seen before, because you're already operating from a shared set of rules and values yeah. just out of the gate. And so it's until you do it, it's it's hard to explain. But those of you trying to start Bitcoin businesses, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and I wanted to, you know, I have a, I was reading the, um, in, in preparation for this, I was reading uh, the white paper last night, um, and, and one of the one of the lines that stood stood out to me, and it's in the conclusion section of section twelve, and it's just a very simple line from from you know Satoshi when he when he wrote the white paper, but I think it adds to this, and he says, any needed rules and incentives can be enforced with this consensus mechanism, right? So meaning the consensus mechanism of Bitcoin is there. Now, yeah. any sort of systems of incentives can be built on top of that, and we always can check back down to the base layer. That to me is is mind-blowing, and it, it has a lot of implications that I don't even think I fully understand yet. So I just want to leave that with you. Flipping awesome. Can I play devil's advocate here and just pick something Please. out of the chat? Now, normally, if it's not highlighted in orange, I don't see it. But Jody has said this, and maybe you want to give an answer to it. Jody said, I changed the business model. Why not just crowdfund the CapEx to produce discounted Bitcoin takes the risk out of it for the users and you. Now that's way above me, but maybe you can answer that. Yeah, I think um, maybe maybe what what Jody's getting at is like trying to crowdfund the ability for you know one entity to build a bunch of mining um, equipment, you know, build a bunch of mining capacity, and then mine themselves, and then and then offer that out. And I think that's an interesting idea. The I. The, the focus, I think, for the Bitcoin mining industry as a whole should be, you know, obviously to be very, very efficient and profitable, but to be as decentralized as, pro- as possible. Because I think given the way that the network is you know, laid out and the consensus mechanisms and the incentives, 
decentralization is really the only way to be successful long term. And you're seeing it right now. You know, I don't know if anyone is, is following the, the latest mining news, but um, you know, one of, I won't name them, but one of the publicly traded mining companies is, is kind of a few of them are actually on the rails right now and, and possibly, um, you know, having to face you know, bankruptcy. I saw so, a headline about one of the I think it might exactly. have been Nico saying one of the largest miners may go bankrupt. Exactly. And, and you know, I don't I, I'm not going to pretend like I know the reason for that. But I think something to think about is where there's centralization, there's risk, right? Like that's the whole point of of, of Bitcoin. And it's like by having this decentralized industry, um, you know, I think raising CapEx and then kind of would 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 almost move towards a centralized model. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're still learning every day. I think the uh, the thought, you know, in my mind and some of the partners that I'm working with are let's just try to provide the best, you know, products and services for this industry to compete with each other and to, you know, grow reliably and sustainably. Right. Let's not try to kind of have our cake and eat it, too. Let's just try to build this thing that allows the the network and the miners to to do their thing. Right. And, and just kind of understand what we're good at, understand what the mining network's good at and go from there. No, I couldn't agree more. And thank you for your question there, Jody. Obviously, he's batting back with yeah, something. Yeah, thanks, Jody. I don't want to make it a, a, an ongoing debate. You've obviously got your reasons for running your business in the way that you do. Um, I applaud you. I am very much like Adam Meister. I love people that are in motion. I love people that are looking at this industry and saying, hey, I can create a business within this industry because you're at the cutting edge of something that is brand new in terms of 13 years don't forget you know in my opinion you know bitcoin yeah. pr really wasn't on the map even in 2017 you know you had you know jamie diamonds you know slamming it you know rat poison squared and everything else so you know it's only really been sort of five years really where it's coming out so uh so to speak so you know i take my hat off to you uh to what you're doing you know jody great i i, I can see that you're putting things in the chat, but if I keep reading them, I'm going to lose my thread. Um, crikey, look at that. That's gone, that's gone quarter to the hour already. It's like, where does it go? So let's sort of start to pull this all together. Obviously, I will put the link to your Twitter um, in the show notes. I'll also put the hash rate website in the show notes as well, um, Tom. But so pulling it all together, yes, you're running your business, you're doing what you're doing. I guess I'm very interested in your thoughts around how does Bitcoin change the world? We've all got a view on what it's going to do. You know, I listen to, you know, all the big players, Jeff Booth and the others, you know, we're talking of this transition. How do we move from the system that can't fix itself from within the system, as Jeff Booth always says, you know, to the other side, if I can use that terminology? How do you think that's going to play out? And maybe how do you see the world with Bitcoin in it for a decade from now? I'm just interested. Yeah, a lot, lot of, lot of, lot of good questions there. I think, um, you know, it's we're, we're I, I, I was looking at a curve yesterday that I think, um, you, you know, some of your some of your uh, followers might listen to. Simply Bitcoin, you mentioned earlier, and they were they were um, interviewing someone who who d discussed kind of the uh, adoption curve. And I think one of the things that I'll just give you is that we're we're right past the point of you know you have early adopters and then you have kind of the, the next phase after the early adopters, right? Yep. So you have the, the first, the first kind of wave. And I think we're right, we're right at that, at that kind of crossing point. But the reality is like, I think if you look at the numbers, like maybe 10% of the U S owns Bitcoin. Right. And I can't imagine it's, you know, it's probably the same or even less worldwide. 
So from an adoption perspective, you know, we've got a we've got a 10x, I would say, at least, you know, we've to, got the hockey kind of stick moment view. coming. We have the hockey exactly. stick moment in front of us. Exactly. And I think um, it'll happen, you know, probably in a way that no one expects, but, you know, in a way that in retrospect, it was obvious, right? That's kind of how a lot of these things happen. So um, what I'll what I'll focus on is where I see kind of the the mining kind of how mining bleeds into the rest of, of, yep. of the world and yep. the rest yep. of the uh, industry. And for me, um, Bitcoin mining is a global competition for energy, right? That fundamentally the, the people who mine the most profitably are the people who can find cheap electricity, deploy capital and, and you know, weather, weather the storm and mine their Bitcoin. So yep. when you extrapolate that out, we now have a global competition for efficient, you know, cheap, reliable energy. That's never happened, you know, before, right? Because you can mine... You can mine Bitcoin, you know, flaring natural gas in the middle of West Texas. As long as you have an Internet connection, you can monetize it. You know, yeah. in up in uh, North, you know, Pacific Northwest, you can mine on a hydro facility. Um, and, and just as long as you're connecting to the to the Internet, you can monetize it. So I see Bitcoin mining uh, and proof of work, you know, becoming very important to the energy infrastructure of the world as a. Um, a new type of customer for electricity, right? I agree. And, yeah. and when you have this new type of customer with a new type of customer profile that you can now monetize electricity um, anywhere, it, it really changes the dynamics of how, you know, the energy industry is, is laid out, how the grids are laid out, where, where things are prioritized. So I think we'll start to see a bleed into, um, at least on the mining side, into energy infrastructure. And those, those two industries will will start to play, you know, not only very nicely together, but I think they'll start to actually become, you know, one industry over time. So that's, that's kind of my, I don't know the timeline on that, because I think things take a long time. But that's kind of my, um, my thought in the space. I, I actually tend to agree with you, because, you know, again, I say this a lot, and I forgive me, people, I always say it. Um, I take loads of podcasts in. I listen to mining podcasts, you know, the mining council, all that stuff. And I can get it in here, Tom, but I don't know how to fluently get it from here out of here on a show. So I know yeah. it, but I don't know how to describe it. Maybe that's due to my age. But what I see is ExxonMobil, you know, taking that gas that's puking that stuff into the atmosphere in landfill sites and using it for Bitcoin mining. And, you know, I, I just see a race on where it's going to you're going to get a tipping point where all of a sudden it's I don't want to be last. None of us know mm -hmm. when that's going to be, but it is gathering such momentum, in my opinion. And I think you're in alignment with that is all of a sudden we're going to get a, a tipping point moment where it could be one noob comes into the space, you know, I don't know, use an Exxon Mobil as an example. And all of a sudden you're going to get this game theory that I think is already playing out. It's just not exponential yet, but it's certainly playing out. And I think, crikey, I think by the end of this decade, we are not going to know the way this world is around Bitcoin mining, the ESG narrative completely gone forever. You know, I say to anybody, if you've got an issue around Bitcoins boiling the oceans, dig in and do your research and you'll find what an absolute load of baloney it is. It is simply a narrative because they understand that Bitcoin, Bitcoin mining and everything wrapped around that is coming for them and they know they can't stop it. Your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think you're you're absolutely right, and I think like as um, you know, you put it, do your research, right? As, as simply put, you know, the best Bitcoin mining 
you know, opportunities are where energy is cheap, right? Yep, yep. Where energy is cheap, that means that there's a surplus of energy, meaning no one else is using it. Well, that like by definition, you know, exists where they're building out, you know, new renewables, where there's intermittent kind of energy generation, where maybe, you know, up in the mountains, there's a lot of hydroelectricity, but it's not consumed, you know, the, 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 the facts about the mining industry, you know, lead to the conclusion that, you know, renewables are, you know, um, not the best, but a, a great opportunity for Bitcoin miners to come in and purchase electricity that's, you know, not yet being used or it's intermittent. Yep. Yep. Um, the, the narrative that, well, Bitcoin miners are going to come in and use all our energy. It's like, the reason that they're there is because it's wasted energy, right? The yes. reason that the, the energy is cheap is because it's a surplus, right? So it's inefficient. So the more you do your research, game theory and economics, um, you know, it's 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 very clear that this industry is, you know, not what maybe is portrayed on on the media with whatever the narrative of the day is. Um, I think, you know, I don't, I don't know the numbers specifically, but I I'll, I'd love to find the find the article. Um, Bitcoin mining or the Bitcoin mining industry actually has a larger percentage of energy um, generated from renewables than than most you know other traditional industries um, because of these you know economic incentives that I just described right where renewables are you know very good for Bitcoin because a lot of times they're built out you know they're overbuilt out maybe they're subsidized maybe the the generation profile isn't perfect so you use mining as this kind of stopgap. Um, but yeah, like, you know, like I said, you know, leave it at that. Do, do your own research and, you know, happy to answer any questions that anyone has at any time, um, you know, about the subject. So, Well, it's interesting you say that because before Bitcoin, I had no clue about energy. I had no clue yeah. that the grid has to run at a crazy capacity for when you get the everyone switching on their kettles in the middle of a sports match and they need it. And then a lot of the times, loads of that energy is totally and utterly wasted and the miners yeah. come in. And they utilize that energy and help the grid by paying the grid a small fee for the energy. Am I about right on that? Is that? Yeah, something? no, no, exactly. So the electric, you know, I, I'm the same way, right? You know, I, I, I studied, you know, math and computers, but I, I literally, up until I started diving into Bitcoin mining, I, uh, electricity to me was I flipped my light switch on and yes. the lights turned on. Yes. Like that was, that was, that was the equivalent of, of my knowledge. And over time you start to learn about you know, the, the energy markets and the electric grid are actually really, really fascinating and actually, a you know, an astonishing feat. But um, yeah, something you said, you know, the grid has to basically be in balance at all times for, you know, I won't get into the details, but basically the, the electricity that's used has to match the electricity being generated into the system yeah. pretty darn close, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of, you know, amazing technologies that are, that are, you know, helping kind of balance that on the supply side in terms of, you know, if, like you said, everybody turns their TV on because the football game's coming on. Well, on the supply of that electricity side, your power company, electricity from somewhere, or maybe spin up new generation, right? Peaker plants, things like that, yep. um, to keep that grid in balance and keep everything, keep the lights on. So now let's, let's, let's change the example, right? Well, instead of spinning up new generation, what if you had a customer on the demand side that could turn down their consumption, right? So that's what Bitcoin miners are able to do. And it's something yep. called curtailment. Yep. So you'll have these very large kind of high density loads of Bitcoin mining computers um, that are running 24 seven, 365, soaking up all of the electricity that's not being used. And then when the grid is actually in need of it, meaning like there's you know a winter freeze or in the summer it gets really hot, everyone needs to turn their air conditionings on, on or something else happens, Bitcoin miners within seconds can turn down their consumption 
and balance that grid at the, in the same way that you would balance it by generating more supply. So it's just this entirely new paradigm that's like very interesting because it's not being pushed top down. There's not some committee that said, hey, here's this new thing we're going to do. It's just happening based on the you know incentives and the game theory from you know this white paper, right? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it started with Bitcoin. And all of a sudden, you look at everything around the world that Bitcoin, you know, they say fix the money, fix the world. And I do agree with that. If you can fix the money, you know, bit by bit, you can make it a better world. You know, there's certain things you are not going to fix. Let's let's be real here. But, you know, the more you dig into it, it started off with, I own some Bitcoin, I'm going to get rich. And all of a sudden, you're cleaning the environment, you're turning the world greener, faster, you know, and I, I just feel we've been through a couple of years of this flipping awful ESG narrative. And I think it's, I don't know what your view is before we pull this together, but it feels like we've beaten it. You know, you're in that arena. Are we beating it? Are they pushing back more? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, it, it is a narrative, right? It's a it's a narrative kind of, you know, being used for whatever whatever purposes are, you know, decided upon. And, you know, upon further analysis, it's it's obviously just kind of a, you know, it's 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 an idea that hasn't been you know under under strict scrutiny i would say so like for me it's always you know let's look at the facts let's look at the the math and let's look at what's actually happening in reality and not just get you know caught up in some high you know high idealism of you know this this esg acronym that is kind of a, a massive virtue signal across you know the entire world and i think you know the unfortunate thing is that it piggybacks off of the goodwill of most people right like most people if you said Hey, we want to take care of our environment. We want we want to make sure people are doing the right thing, and we're you know we're doing things sustainably. I think most people would agree with you. But then once you start peeling back the curtain of what like ideas are behind these sort of you know programs narratives, it doesn't match. It doesn't match reality, and it doesn't match what you know the original kind of discussion was about. So yeah. to me, it's you know take take with that with take with that what you will. But I think um, yeah, the narrative is. It's just it just can't you know withstand with when withstand truth I would say um, and I think over time the game theory will play out and and you'll actually have um, the renewable sector kind of realizing hey if we if we do want to transition to a renewable energy future or whatever that means right quote unquote renewables it's you know whatever you whatever you want to call it um, we're going to need some interesting new customers of our electricity that we want to generate right so mining is a very interesting a um, new type of customer that is willing to pay, you know, for electrons, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It'll be cool to see how the game theory plays out. I wouldn't say that we've, you know, beaten the narrative, but I think it's starting. You know, we're we're seeing that it has holes and it doesn't have legs to really we're stand fighting on. Back. It's kind of, yeah. yeah, I think we're fighting back. But the cool thing is, we don't even necessarily have to fight back because we have truth on our side, right? We just can operate on top of this consensus and and do do the things that make sense in that context and it you know truth will win i think it's been a pleasure tom an absolute pleasure i'm going to leave the audience with this thought bitcoin is the apex predator it is coming for the world and i think the mining industry on top of it is 
coming too. Uh, and this massively excites me. So um, I'm really, really glad we had this conversation. Quickly again, people, I don't know whether you can see the URL, but it is um, hashbranch.com. I believe that is correct, Tom. Um, I'm yep. going to quickly spin over here if I can. Um, follow Tom on Twitter. You know, give him some love, people. Give him some support. Um, he's pretty well new down there, but, you know, we all need to get over there and support him. The minute we're done, I will click follow Tom, don't worry about that. I wanted to have you on yeah. the show before we did that. Tom, um, anything, that, Brian. anything you want to say to the audience before I put you in the green room and do my closing remarks? You know, I just want to, you know, thank you. Thank you, Brian. And thanks for everyone for, for your time. Um, I think the, the main thing that I would say is, you know, continue learning, continue doing your own research, right? Even the stuff, you know, I say the stuff Brian says, like, you know, take things with a grain of salt and, you know, trust trust but verify right you can you know everyone i think can can read the white paper everyone can read the literature and start going down the rabbit hole and you know see, see where you come out on the other end so tom has been an absolute blast just stick around uh, i'm just going to go over to my desktop and leave the audience with a quote as i always do you know i love quotes and here's a great quote and these great minds discuss ideas average minds discuss events and small minds discuss people. Uh, I think we've had a really great discussion here tonight. If you are new to all of this, don't worry if a lot of it goes over your head. I've been in the rabbit hole five and a half years and most of it goes over my head. But all I know right here is that I'm in the right place at the right time being involved in Bitcoin. So once again, Tom, thank you for being on the show with me. People, please, if you felt this was a good show interview, please tweet it out if you're on Twitter. If you're listening on the podcast after the event, please share it where you're listening. I'd appreciate it. This goes up on Rumble, on BitChute, on Library or Odyssey as it is now. It's out on Facebook. It goes up on Instagram. It is out everywhere. So do me a favor. When I end the show and leave you with my social media links, please go and follow me there and support me at one of those. Once again, Tom, thanks for being on the show. People, I'm going to leave you with my social media links. Have a great morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. I'll be back on Monday, 6 p.m. London with my regular show. Come and join me then. Got another great guest lined up for next week. But uh, for now, I'm out of here. I'll leave you with my social media links. Tom, give me 10 seconds. I'll catch you on the other side. Take care, everyone.